This is Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, a podcast and radio program presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. Most any contemporary musical style can trace its roots back to the blues. Time Signatures explores the blues and its musical connections with captivating interviews, lively discussions, and news from the world of the blues. And now, here he is, your host, Jim Irvin. Hey, good evening, everybody. We are coming to you live. It's actually recorded. Yeah, all right. Recorded live. Yeah, recorded live. We got a, we got a group here from Moriarty's. And uh, man, I got to tell you, I am so excited to be here this evening. I want to thank Joy and Bree, Chrissy, Harmony, and Carolyn. They are working their tails off to take care of the people that are here. And we are so happy to have a nice crowd here this evening. Give yourselves a hand. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so... The first thing that people are going to ask is, where did you come up with time signatures for the title of this podcast? I wanted you all to be introduced to a friend of mine who I've known since 1977. We've uh, been very good friends for almost 46 years. Yep. Went to uh, grade school at St. Hyacinth's in Bay City and also graduated together from Bay City Central High School. Ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Andy Kabbalah. Give him a hand. (laughs) Hey, Jim. So we had... So we had a little contest, if you will, to name the podcast because I had a couple ideas and Dedalian wasn't excited about it. I mean, correct. I, I dug them. I thought they were all right. But, but it, then but you, it, you threw that the time signatures at me and I was like, all right, that I can roll that. That wasn't me. That was this guy over here. Well, you still threw it at me in effect, <laughs> man. That's all I know. <laughs> so Andy Kabbalah came up with, uh, with time signatures and I wanted to have him up here for just half a minute and share. 30 seconds? You yeah. said five. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, just, and thank you very much. <laughs> oh, I forgot, to, I forgot to turn the switch on there. Now it's all official. So, Andy, tell us a story. I mean, I, I know your background, but go ahead and share the story of where you came up with Time Signatures. Well, first of all, I want to congratulate you on this idea that you had to do this podcast. Thank because you. Because you're the type of guy that puts his heart and soul in everything he does. And I know that when you first came up with this idea for this podcast, you were really excited about it. You had a vision in your head. And as long as you follow your heart and do what you want to do, it's going to be great. So when you kind of asked about names, I've been playing the drums as long as I've known you because I started in seventh grade. And I come up with time signatures because when you're playing music or singing music, Mm -hmm. the basis of it is the time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you put a sheet, piece of sheet music in front of a musician yeah. or a singer, yeah. the first thing they're going to look at is what time is it in. Yeah. So if you can't keep time, it's not going to be a good thing. So <laughs> I thought the time part would be as far as the music. And in your podcast, you're doing not only the music, but also the people behind the music. I kind of want to get a name that covered <laughs> both areas. That's where the signatures part come in. And that'll cover the people that provide the music. because. Yeah. Just like when you write a letter and you signed your name to it, any musicians that is worth his salt will get up on stage and put their heart and soul into what they do yep. to provide the audience with something that's going to be enjoyable. Right. And every time they perform, yep. you put your signature on what you do on that stage. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a little bar in town or a you know 30,000-seat arena, mm-hmm. you're putting your signature on everything you do. So I thought time signatures would kind of cover both areas. Very good. And, and uh, you know, what I liked about it is, like you were talking about, they put their signature on that particular time. And so for me, I've, I've always been one of those people that like to steal little moments of history. 
And um, this allows us, this podcast allows us to do exactly that. When you threw the name out there, Capital Area Blues Society, part of the goal is the preservation of the blues. Mm-hmm. And yes. it was the time signatures. And it, I mean, it's capturing time. And it, as we've been talking about, etching your signature into that piece of time. That's, yeah, that was right. awesome. And was you, can, you can hear the music, but yeah. when you talk to the person that makes the music, then you can kind of dig into how they feel about mm-hmm. it, how they came up with it, why they're doing it. Things that went good went bad, and it's a fantastic thing. Just like talking to an old veteran, listening to their stories, mm-hmm. you're listening to musical veterans and hearing their stories, and I just think that's great. Probably most of you don't know that Andy is a World War II reenactor mm-hmm. and happens to have a tremendous respect, as I do, for our military veterans. And I want you to know you're sitting next to a military veteran right now. Freddie served during the World War II era. Really? Well, thank no, you for your No, 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 no. Not, yeah. or, I'm sorry. Not that Did old. I say World War II? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. It, it let, was, me, let me fix that right now. Vietnam. Yeah, Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm not that old. So he's My grandpa did, though, in World War II. <laughs> Viet, I'm sorry about that, no, man. No, it's okay. <laughs> you were stationed in Okinawa, correct? Yeah. I got that part yes, right. I was. Yes. So, Freddie, I wanted to give this to you as a small token of my appreciation, sir. Thank you so much for your service. Jim, thank you, sir. I appreciate you. I appreciate that. Thank you. I have been carrying these uh, challenge coins. I carry them in my pocket. And whenever I get a chance to meet a vet, whether they're from Vietnam, World War II, it doesn't matter, Korea... I always like to thank them for their service. And my son and I go out and we, you know, wherever we're at, we carry them with us. And when we find them, we thank them for their service and give them a coin. So I appreciate that. Thank Thank you, you, sir. How about a big hand for Freddie, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you. And also, while you're doing that, give another hand for Andy Kabbalah. Thank you so much for being here with us. (laughs) Thanks, Jim. Good luck on everything. So that was a pretty good way to lead into our next portion of our get-together here. We are joined by... The two founding members, chief founding members of the Root Doctor Band, who y'all know who they are. They've been around for 30 plus years. And you guys have been retired for what, almost two years now? Almost two years. Yeah, Yeah, it is going on two years. That's crazy. Right. I know. I remember being on the boat with you on the last show. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, time passes when you're having fun. (laughs) 32 years of fun, man. 32 years of fun. Yeah. And we, yep. are, we are so honored to have Freddie Cunningham with us uh, and also James L. Williams. How to be a big game for them. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. We are so glad to have you. Guys, we're just going to dive in here and start talking a little bit about your, your music and uh-huh. how things started with the Root Doctor Band. I mean, you guys were, in, in my opinion, I think you were destined to be the Root Doctor Band. And... Freddie, let me start with you, man, and, and feel free, James, to jump in. Oh, and sure. we are joined here by Marge. Hi, Marge. Hello. You got the cowbell? I got the cowbell. Let's see it. Put it on the table, girl. <laughs> she brought the cowbell. Who knows about the cowbell in here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> wow. There you go, the famous cowbell. It's been a while. But, but I definitely want you to talk about, first of all, your, your initial... Who was, who was your biggest biggest influence when you were growing up, when you were getting into music? <laughs> it's really funny that you ask me that, because when I read the biography of Ray Charles, you know, he started off and he wanted to be Joe Williams, he wanted to be T-Bone Walker, he wanted to be this and that, and he finally realized that he had just had to be himself, because he couldn't be all these people. So I was like that. My... Probably earliest recollections were like 
Nat King Cole, Charles Brown, Sister Rosetta Tharp, Clara Boyd Singers. My mom was a big Clara Boyd fan. Okay. Right there, you know, again, I had to figure out who I was going to be. And, uh, you know, finally, I said, I, you know, I have to be who I'm going to be. Right. I, I can't be those people because I can't, I can't sing that high. I can't sing that low. I remember talking to you earlier, and you mentioned uh, your first recollection being when you were just a, a young man and you wanted to be in the choir. Oh, I was, I was in the choir. Okay. I was born in the choir. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> I, no, that, that my mom was, she probably was, she probably sang in the choir until she couldn't sing because she was having me. And from what I understand, I raised quite a bit of sand when I couldn't sing in the choir being two years old, three years old, you know, so I was, I was in the choir when I was born. So that bug bit you early, didn't it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. James, how about you, man? Talk about your, your first, uh, the first time the music bug bit you. Man, that's going back a few years for sure. I was born in my grandfather's house in Nude, Mississippi, and he had a piano there and that he used to play. And so that's when musical was starting to get in my head. And, and also my older brother, Lamar Williams, he was, him and I was born in my grandfather's house. So then we moved down to Gulfport, Mississippi. That's where I was starting to get into more, more music. I was hearing my father, uh, he was a gospel singer, and I used to hear him live on the radio every Sunday. The name of his band was the Deep South, and it was, it was a great band, and they did it live. And uh, so that was a big influence on, on me. And, okay. and as I was growing up, what, fifth grade, I got to play drums. And from the fifth grade on through middle school and high school, I was playing concert music. I was uh, also singing in the choir. Mm -hmm. And then uh, later on, I was doing the swing band thing, you know, because my brother Lamar, he plays bass. He was a fantastic bass player. And after watching him at 14, 15 years old, he was playing with older musicians in the, in the Gulf Coast. From there, wow, I said, man, those guys are jamming. Um, he was playing with a, a drummer named J-Mo. He was playing with Percy Sled, Otis Redden, but him and Lamar was playing in a local band. And then eventually from there, you know, J-Mo started playing with the Allman Brothers band. And he was recommending to Dwayne Allman, you know, that Lamar would be a, a great bass player to have for the band. But Lamar got drafted and he went to Vietnam. After his duty in Vietnam and the incidents that happened to the couple of members Lamar got an opportunity to audition. Greg Allman had his guy audition, and they had three or four bass players. But after two songs, you know, Bush Truck said, come on, guys, let's go back. He said, far as I'm concerned, you know, this audition is over. You know, so then Lamar got to show the gig with the Allman Brothers Band. And, and his first uh, album was Brothers and Sisters. He completed, cool. he completed that album except two songs. Lamar was a big, heavy influence in me uh, playing, playing bass guitar. So here we are. Okay, so just to be clear, and, and so the people that are listening, 
they actually have an idea. So, Freddie, go ahead and uh, give people an idea of what you did for Root Doctor, what your role was in Root Doctor for so many years. Oh, well, to begin with, Mike Scorey called me. Mm -hmm. I had never met Mike. I kind of knew the name. Yeah. You know, scory out of sound. sound. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so anybody that's right. not anybody that's not from Lansing, uh, Mike Scory, he's a keyboard player, and of course, yeah. for many many years, had Scory right. Auto Sound. It was exactly. a car stereo place. Car stereo. And it? of course, yeah. car stereos. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. Is it? No, I mean, <laughs> no. With that. But back in the day, he used yeah, to Scory yeah, Auto Sound. Back yeah. in the day, you had you know you could get your you know your custom auto sound. Right. You know, like. You know, with speakers in the trunk and, you know, the big whoopers and the pop yep. popping down. So he, he, he reached out to you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As, and, as a matter of fact, Mike, you know, he called me one day and he said, um, he said, hey, you want to start a band? Really? Yeah. You know, and, and I said, sure. He had a gig, you know? but he didn't have a band. Well, I didn't have a gig, actually. No, no, Mike Scorey had the gig. Oh, Mike Scorey, well, yeah, he talked to the guy. Okay, who now, was... now I don't think I need to clarify that these two are married at all. <laughs> well, no, not, not at all. So there's that. Yeah, well, anyway, if you remember, uh, Tango's. Okay, yep, yep. Yeah, in the Naps building downtown. So anyway, Mike had talked to the guy at Tango's, and the guy said to him, if you have a band, we'll see what we can do about it. And so Mike says, sure, I got a band. You know, we, you know, we've been playing together for a while. And uh, so after he left that guy, he called me and he said, you want to start a band? <laughs> and I said, sure. And meanwhile, we had been jamming like every Thursday night when Gregory's was in the garage down under the parking ramp, Capitol Avenue there. And uh, Scott Allman had been coming in there Mm -hmm. I knew him, and there was a band at that time, they were on their last legs called Mad Dog in the Pack, and James was the bass player in that band, and I knew him, you know, and, and we came from there, and so Mike was a keyboard player, I was a singer, I knew Scott, Scott knew Dick Rosemont, Black owner of Fat Black and Circular, Yep. yeah, and, uh, and I, you know, like I said, I knew James and... We practiced in my basement, I think, for two weeks. Wow. Every night for two weeks. Didn't think it'd be uh, 32 years, did you? <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> we, <laughs> we practiced for two weeks. We went to the, you know, we went down the tangos and we played the gig. Well, we played all the songs that we knew. And he says, well, you have to play another set. We don't know another, <laughs> another set. He says, well, play it in reverse. So we did that. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, we got this gig. Going through it, you know, I'm thinking, uh, six months, a year, 32, 33 years later, you know, and one, two, three guitar players. A lot of folks. Lots of folks. Yeah. A lot of folks. I, I can tell you yeah. in the time that I've known you guys, yeah. you've, you've had some turnover here and there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, always phenomenal players in the band. And I, I kind of wanted to use that as a springboard to the next question. Maybe James can jump in here with a little bit. Is uh, you guys have had, like he just said, you've had some some phenomenal members of the Root Doctor band. Mm -hmm. Your sound has always been consistent through the years. Mm -hmm. 
my very first time hearing you guys play was when you opened for Cheap Trick down right down the road oh, here boy. at the Lansing Center. <laughs> oh boy! But I but remember that, James. You had some of the creme de la creme here in the Lansing area, not just Mike Scorey, but you've had so many big names, you know, that have come across your path and been a part of the the Root Doctor band. Talk about those names a little bit. Mm, I should have wrote some of them down, Steve. Carrell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Uh, we had guys, we fortunate enough to get some, some good musicians around here in town, and they wanted to play with the band. We even have Oric was playing drums, and he's a fantastic bass player. Now, that's a, that's a story within itself. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, anyway. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you that later. Okay. <laughs> Let me see, who are some of the other members there? March, you? John Fitzgerald. He was, he was keyboard player. Yeah. And, and uh, um, we had John Barrera, drummer, yeah. Jimmy Alfredson. Yeah, Jim Alfredson came in. Jimmy Alfredson uh, played with us for ten like years. Ten years. Yeah, and he uh, was just a kid back then, wasn't he? Yeah. You know what? It's it's about twenty years actually, old. Actually, yeah. when we played some of the gigs, he wasn't really legal to be <laughs> when, we, when we first started. But you know, we he was in the band, so it was okay. Sure. You know, so. Steve Ferrari. Yeah, Steve Ferrari. An guitar player. Right, and um, another drummer, friend of ours, Chico Garza. Bob Gardner. Bob, Bob Gardner. Bobby Gardner. You're getting some names from out here in the audience yeah, now. Yeah, people, I mean, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we had a couple of more in there. Oh, yeah, Matthew mind. Hayes. Oh, Rick Bull was the drummer for us. He did, as a matter of fact, he was on our, what album was that? Was that the first Change CD? Our Ways. Change, Change Our, our Ways, ways. Yeah. yeah, album. What was your original name? The original name was the, of the band was the Downtown Blues Band. Good question. Downtown Blues Band and Downtown Blues Band. Well, because of, exactly, because yeah. of, yeah, because of the confusion, you know, with the Uptown Band and the Downtown Band, you know, it, so people would come to see us thinking they're going to see them and vice versa. There was an interesting story behind that. Well, you kind of know. Well, you, we all decided to the, the write a name down and put it in a hat. And so up came Root Doctor. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was John Fitzgerald. Yeah. That was his. That was his name for the band. Okay. And uh, that was the name of the song they were playing at the time. And then that Buddy was Ace. the name of the song that we we're playing. Frank Ace. Buddy. Buddy Ace. Yeah. Well, you guys have shared the stage with some of the biggest names in blues. Talk about that just a little bit. James, who, who's your favorite, man, that you guys played and shared the stage with? Oh, man, you know, we, we had Larry McRae, Buddy Guy. Mm -hmm. We actually had played the first blues festival here in Lansing. Coco, Coco Taylor. Coco Taylor was there. I'm trying to think of just one harmonica player. Hank Mowry was, mm -hmm. a, was a harmonica. That was when Hank first started. We had to kind of tell him when the change was, you know, almost. It, it was, mm -hmm. he, but he, you know, he was a really good player, but he was he was just raw back then, and that was that was the first Lansing Blues Festival because it's it was down in um, where Adato Park is now. Messing yeah. with the kid. Who, who who put that song? Up? Uh, was Walter. Junior Wells. Junior Wells. Junior Wells. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Junior Wells. Yeah. yeah. That's and, the you know, and, uh, so you had the opportunity to play with Junior Wells, is what you're saying? Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, twice, actually. We played with him in yeah. Grand Rapids. And then and one time in Novi. Yeah. 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 And you guys also yeah. opened for Ray Charles, didn't you? 
Ray Charles one night, yeah, yeah. and a little Center. little Richard. We opened for them for him one night. Um, I thought I saw Tab Benoit on the list. Tab mm -hmm. Benoit, Benoit. Oh, the State Theater is a beautiful venue. My goodness, <laughs> uh, yeah, we played there a couple of times, and I enjoyed it so much. It's a, it's just such a nice stage, such acoustics in that building. Yeah, that you was know, a great concert. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I really enjoy. I enjoy that. And uh, and we got a chance to play the Ann Arbor Blues Festival as well back in right? the early days. Right, back in the early days. We yeah. had what Buddy Miles was there. Who Joanna Connor. Connor. The Joanna Connor was there one night. Right. Yeah. Was, and um, several other. And we did also did the auditorium when BB uh, King was in town. Yeah, that's cool. Larry McRae and us and and BB were on the on the bill. Yep. Well, you are listening to Time Signatures. We have got our guest, uh, Freddie Cunningham, here. We've got James L. Williams. We've got Marge Mooney. It's it's kind of been an exciting ride for you, too, hasn't it? It's been a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> I did um, some managing, and then I didn't do some managing, and then I did some managing again. Got to meet a lot of managers of restaurants to get gigs and lots of music behind the scenes people. It's been, uh, it's been fun. You did a lot of work, Marge. Thank you. Yeah. She did. And everybody loves March. Everybody. All right. All right. Absolutely. She did. So come on, guys. Tell me one good road story that something went wrong. Just just not a good time. <laughs> oh, something gosh. bad. I mean, we're hearing about the good stuff, and I know there were some <laughs> bad times there. There was one winter near the Olympics, and there were uh, some places oh. on the west side of the state that has a, a luge. It was uh, Olympic time, and okay. they were doing some kind of a benefit there was a Michigan, someone from Michigan in the Olympics, mm -hmm. and you can ride the luge out there, but it was not that snowy, but it was cold and rainy. Um, we were in a tent. They ran out of gas for the heater. Was this an outdoor this gig? Was an outdoor yeah, gig? This was an outdoor yes, gig. This was an outdoor gig. Outdoor gig in the mud. Propane. So they had, I think, little square pieces of wood for the on band wood, to set up on, on pallets on pallets, right. on pallets together that was the stage yeah a and um there wasn't anybody there so they asked us if they had to pay us since nobody was there and after and we, we only played to a muskegon holy cow so i think that yeah. is my all-time yeah. worst day <laughs> followed by the time that a drummer got lost, couldn't find the gig, so Ooh. somebody in the bar we were at... Is this a drummer we don't? No, we won't, we won't <laughs> say it. We won't say it. No, 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 we don't. No, you don't know me. Somebody sat in playing drums yeah. on a five-gallon yeah. plastic jug. Oh, my, seriously? Oh my. Seriously. That's, wow. That's, so we ended up yeah. doing okay. I mean, that's the show must go on right there. It, it, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that he, guy came up to, with some bloody hands by the end of the night. I would imagine. <laughs> wow. He ended up playing on one of those plastic, one of those white cans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey. Were you guys all playing electric at the same time? Did you do it well, acoustic? Well, we, we, no, we had, yeah, well, we had to play it really low because nobody, <laughs> yeah, yeah. nobody had acoustic, you know. It was electric or nothing, but. That was another one on the west side of the state. Yeah. Yeah, west side of the state, yeah. Yeah, when you, one of the nights was... Uh, we were playing this gig on, and it was a beautiful, beautiful night. And it was on the, on the shores of Lake Michigan. And we oh, he's painting a picture for this one. I'm, yeah, I'm, ready, for this. I'm ready for this. No, we're looking, you know, out, and we did the show, and, and everything was, was great. And we got all done. And James stepped on some oh. 
James stepped on, I don't know, oh, some yeah. kind of metal thing and yeah. whacked, his toe, whacked his toe all out oh, of it. Was, yeah, oh. that wasn't good. Oh. But, you know, hey. I forgot all about that. Pain. You take the bitter, yeah, you <laughs> take Thanks, the bitter with the sweet. Oh, yeah. it, was a, it was a rough story. You, you blocked that stuff out of your memory, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting triggered. Yeah. <laughs> A little PTSD going on there. Yeah, you take the bitter with the sweet. Absolutely. Is there anybody in your mind you wish you would have been able to play with on the stage, open for? Any opportunity you feel you missed along the way? Oh, there were a lot of people I wish I'd, you know, been able to play with. Ray. Although I don't know from what I hear, he was he was kind of persnickety, but you know. He was such a talent. Yeah, I'd have loved to, you know, hit a note or two with him. Yeah. James? I, I wouldn't mind, you know, I played a show with the Allman Brothers Band. You know, it was something that yeah. I used to go to the early shows when my brother was playing. And I was on stage watching them from the sideline. And, uh, but you never got a chance to jam with them. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> this but, close, man. This close. I, I remember all the energy was going between the band and 50,000 people out there, you know, and I'm in between it, I'm just feeling it and seeing it. Uh, that was fantastic. Yeah, we had a, we had one night that we went to uh, DTE. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. and we were able to go, you know, go backstage with Allman Brothers and uh, meet, you know, some of the people and stuff. And it was pretty, yeah. pretty exciting. Yeah. So after 32 years, what do you think uh, the biggest accomplishment of uh, Root Doctor was? Biggest accomplishment? Yep. Being together for 32 yeah. years. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah. you know. That, I mean, and well, also uh, putting out uh, CDs. Uh, mm -hmm. How many did we make? Six? Six. 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 Yeah. 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 So. And I have all of them. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Thanks to Mark. She put, she put one on a flash drive for me. So uh, that's number six. I bet you with that yellow one one. That, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, that, yes, that, it is. that was a live album, right? Yeah. 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 Was, yeah. In front of 20,000 people. So yeah. that was that was kind of a cool yeah. show. That is, a, that is a treasured gift. I want you to know that I will never, I'll keep that pen for the rest of my life. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Appreciate that. Let's get to the cowbell real quick. Oh, yeah. Why the cowbell? You had to bring it up. Come on, What's Marge. The story? You brought it up. I don't know why you wanted me to bring it. Well, why the why the cowbell? Come on, you got to tell us. When we have a song. Yeah, go ahead. We have a song called Dark Eyes. That that's uh, Mike Scorey. Mike Scorey, what? Mike Scorey and and uh, Bill Bill Malone. Bill Malone wrote, wrote the song. Yes, Bill Malone Dark came eyes, up yeah. with the anyway. The bass line. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we were in concert, and there's a definite part need for the. Cowbell. No, I guess it's a guitar riff that he came up with, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I, they were playing it in concert once, and Freddie was trying to do it, and I could see he was struggling with the singing and playing of it at the same time. So I grabbed mm. the cowbell from him, and I started playing it. So that was that's been usually the end of the night song. Yeah. So you, me playing cowbell. You, you're, you're the inspiration for the Saturday Night Live skit, is what you're saying, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, first, yeah. the chicken right. or the egg? Right. <laughs> well, right. Right. I played the cowbell in the studio, but yeah. playing the bass, I'm not right. going to do this. Right. So the march, do it, you know. Right, right, yeah. right. And so she watched Christopher Walken, and then, and then I think I had it down after right. that, right? Yeah. She had yeah. it down. I need more cowbell. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, so uh, this episode of Time Signatures recorded at Moriarty's on Michigan Avenue. You can always get more information from them on Facebook if you want to check them out. Absolutely. We want to thank uh, Freddie for being with us. Also, James L. Williams and Marge. Thank you. And um, we look forward to uh, speaking with you again on the next episode. So All right. Big hang around, everybody. How about hanging out with us, too? How about a big hand? Thank you. This has been Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. For more information on cabs, visit capitalareablues.org. You can find this episode and past episodes at lccconnect.org. The Time Signatures theme song, Michigan Roads, is used by permission and was written by Root Doctor, featuring Freddie Cunningham. Until next time, keep on keeping the blues alive. Examining the issues and topics that affect our lives from the local level to the world stage. Listen to the programs of LCC Connect anytime at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. This Wednesday and Thursday, Lansing Community College presents Starscapes, a student showcase of creative, imaginative, and interesting work. Starscapes is open to the public and will take place in the Gannon Building on LCC's downtown campus April 26th and 27th. For more information, visit lcc.edu slash starscapes. What are all the things you witness online in a day? Cats playing piano selfies on your feed, your friend's picture being turned into a nasty meme that's been shared 50 times, 51, 52. When someone's being bullied online, it's hard to know what to do. Now you can speak up with the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble, and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool, and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. LCC Connect is looking for Lansing Community College students to vibe with us. Join us for the podcast power-up contest. Students, your voice is important, so take this opportunity to tell us what's important to you with the chance to host a podcast radio show on 89.7 FM. We'll be taking power-up submissions through the end of summer. Catch the vibe and find the details at lcc.edu slash power-up. That's lcc.edu slash power-up. The Job Training Center at Lansing Community College provides two-month job training opportunities that are free to eligible participants. Training courses range from information technology to administrative assisting. For more information, visit lcc.edu slash jtctraining. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Welcome to the Lansing. I'm Lucy Solis, and this is a program dedicated to the people of our city. I wanted to create a place for us to have authentic conversations about the inspired stories, opportunities, and resources available right here in our town. As someone who has spent a portion of my life in poverty, I was able to change my trajectory through the help and the resources available right here in our community. I am proof that when we unify, our city and its people can rise together.
Greetings, Capital City. This is Lucy with The Lansing. And today in the studio, we have Augie Martinez, the manager for the City of Lansing's 311 Center. Thank you. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. Let's just dive right into it. So tell me a little bit about 311 and what it is. So 311 is a service-based call center for um, City of Lansing residents. Anywhere in the city limits, if you have a question or a concern or you need to report a problem around the city, you can dial 311 from any phone and you'll get one of our agents and they'll be able to take the information, get stuff reported or submitted, or help you find the office that you're trying to, to contact. This is outside of 911. So this doesn't replace 911. If anybody has an emergency, they should please dial 911. Or 211. Or 211. Yeah, mm-hmm. for, for like um, social, services. Uh, social services and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yep. Those are still in existence. This is going to be everything in between. For example, uh, right now, potholes obviously is a, is a big it's a deal. big one, yeah. Yep, yeah, so we can uh, take those calls, get those work orders put in, read to the system, and get it addressed so that a caller doesn't really have to worry about it anymore after that. Mm-hmm. Really, the biggest thing for 311 was to kind of bridge the gap between the residents having an issue and not necessarily knowing like exactly who to speak to in order to get that resolved. A lot of times, people would just dial a number and hopefully try to figure out who it is they need to talk to. Oh, absolutely. I've been guilty of that. Absolutely. You don't know who to call. You're just like, I know there's an issue. And it's still, I mean, there are still times where we get stuff and it's like, we want to, you know, figure out exactly who that falls under, whether it be, you know, one department or another or one, you know, service area or another. But it's something that we take the responsibility for and kind of take that off the resident's plate. One call to city hall, right? One call to city hall. (laughs) That's that's our time. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) And really what what it does is just kind of takes out that layer of like, is this the right place or do I have to retell my story three times until I get to the right person or I'm going to have to leave a voicemail and somebody's going to get back with me at some point and then they're going to tell me, oh, that actually has to go, you know, somewhere else. Eliminating all that, you call 311 and we got you. Whether that means we're going to be able to take the information directly and then put it into one of our partnered departments Mm -hmm. that we've already brought under our umbrella or move you to the place that we know you need to go to not hey let's let's you know try this and see you know if if that's where you need to go more of like no no we know that this is who who handles this or we're going to take the time to figure that out before we let you go right so tell me some of the services like what are the most common calls you get it goes in waves kind Mm -hmm. of with almost with the seasons Um, right now we're, we're in prime tax time so people are trying to get their taxes in, and we do partner with the Income Tax and Treasury Department. Awesome. So anyone who wants to call Income Tax and Treasury right now, their calls come directly to our six agents that we have um, answering phones. And we've done some training, and we do partnership knowledge-based articles in order to be able to field sort of like those frontline questions. Mm-hmm. What I like to tell people is like we serve as like your front counter person, but over the phone. Any of that beginning type stuff, um, general questions, things like that are things that we'll be able to handle right on that phone call. Mm-hmm. And then um, if there's something that is requires a little bit more detail or maybe a approval or an exception, then we can escalate those things on. But right now, tax time is a big one. Whether somebody submitted it and they want to know, did you guys receive it or is it done yet? Or, right. you know, questions like that. Another one with us just kind of getting over wintertime. Now is the time for when the snow melts. Obviously, the potholes are going to be in full bloom. Mm-hmm. We partner with our public service department as well. So we can get those requests put in right away and someone can come out and assess and, and try to fix and repair whatever they can. Right now, another thing that comes through our office a lot is trash. In the wintertime, you know, a lot of it's covered by snow. Mm-hmm. And so then when the snow melts, it's like, oh, wow, like all of this stuff kind of built up, you know, over the winter. And so we do partner with our neighborhoods department as well. 
we're actually under the umbrella of, of the neighborhoods department too. So it's kind of a, a easy partnership there. They do like, you know, they arrange neighborhood cleanups with civic organizations and they offer like help with even cleanup with, with grants programs that are available for civic organizations as well. So it's really just kind of connecting people with those services or with who might be um, the right place for them to get help. Okay. So just to go back a little bit and piggyback. So when you're talking about taxes, Jane Doe calls and said, I submitted my city taxes three weeks ago. Do you have access to tell them if the city's received them? The way that it works is each department's a little bit different depending okay. on like our level of training with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll determine like how much access we have in their department and also like things like confidentiality and stuff like that come into play. So right now we are at the place where all of our agents do not yet have access to like the city tax system. Mm-hmm. I do, and I'm mm-hmm. developing a training for our agents to be able to go through that and then eventually roll out access to the rest of the agents. Mm-hmm. So when I'm there, I can look that stuff up for some folks, but we're in the process of kind of expanding the partnership with the treasury um, yeah. just because it's such a, a big area and there's so many nuances to it as well. And yeah. so we really try to be very careful with like where the line is of things that a 311 agent would be able to answer for a person and then mm-hmm. where that needs to be escalated on to someone in the department. The good thing is that like this is our program. 311 is our concept. And so we can always move that line. We can always adjust it and say, OK, we think we can go a little bit further with this and, and help, you know, with maybe a repeat type question that we're getting in the department's like, yeah, like we'll give you access to that. Mm-hmm. Or on the flip side of it, we get to a place where it's like, oh, there's a lot of nuances built into these types of questions. Maybe it's better if we don't cross that line and let someone in the department handle it who can maybe give a little bit more insight or has more access than we maybe do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're serving the residents better because we're not going to be giving them information that could potentially change based on their specific circumstances. Right. And so with each department, I work directly with the stakeholders and the subject matter experts involved. And we meet every couple of weeks just to see like where that line is. How's it going? Are there things that we could be expanding on or are there things that maybe we need to follow back up on and say, you know what, this might be something that's a little bit more appropriate for us to handle, mm-hmm. us being the the partnering department. Right. I really enjoy that part of it because mm-hmm. I think it provides some comfort not only on our end, but also on the department's end of like, there's no like bulldozing us. If you want us to have less access, we're fine with that. If you want us to have more access, we're fine with that. At the end of the day, our goal along with the department's goal is that we're giving residents what they need Mm -hmm. in a timely manner. And also that we're not like getting in an area where we might be giving out information that could potentially change for a resident. like Right. You don't want to tell them something and then next month it's something different. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and, and I really like that. Like we can always move right. the line and do those things. So, yeah. So I had the opportunity to visit the call center, which is amazing. Let's talk a little bit about the agents, which you have six of them. Correct. What I was impressed with, with my background with language services is you have agents that speak different languages. Yes. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Hansing is definitely a diverse community and we were able to, we were really lucky to get um, a couple of Spanish speaking agents. And so folks can call and get services in Spanish. We're always looking to expand upon that. Mm-hmm. Um, if need be, we can use like a, a language service provider for other stuff, but we do have two Spanish speakers in house as well who can help. And the really cool thing that we didn't really even foresee as being something that would be utilized as much as it has is not just people calling us, but people calling other departments and no one in that department speaking Spanish. So then, you know, a department will, would potentially call us and say, would one of your agents be able to, you know, help with uh, with this information? That's and, and, great. Uh, yeah. It's just know, helping the city. 
Exactly. And the demographic of folks who like are in need of something like that, like they really come in at a disadvantage because all of the communication that they get is in English. Exactly. They're a vulnerable population. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so really like them understanding like what's at stake, what's being asked and more importantly, like what's not at stake. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we get a lot of instances where folks who are calling who don't understand something. I mean, to them, getting a letter from the city is like a red alert. I mean, right. it's like alarms up. I don't know what to do and I, and I don't know who to trust. And so we really, you know, take our time with them. We make sure that all of their questions are answered. We advocate for them the best we can. I mean, we'll go, we'll go as far as to even like help them with things that maybe they didn't exactly call for, but we know they're going to need help with that. We know that they're going to have those questions. And so we really try to like anticipate, make sure that they know when they call, like one of the agents is going to be there to assist and also help them with like any follow-ups that they might need. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the really cool things that I like about our 311 centers, we are not focused on volume. Like we're not mm-hmm. focused on like, you need to answer this many calls per day or you need to, you know, how your call average time needs to be less or anything like that. I mean, at this point, our whole goal is to just be a help, a help Absolutely. to the residents and a help to the departments that we partner with. Mm-hmm. And if that means being on the phone for three or four or five, 10 minutes with a person, then that's what that means. That's fantastic. There's been a few times where conversations get into the 20 and 25 minute range. But, you know, when somebody wants to vent or has, you know, a frustration or just as a talkative person, like we're there to. And you're making it better. Yeah. The situation yeah. better. Yeah, that's really it, right. you know. I want to talk a little bit about the document and the tracking system. I thought that was really neat because I have called um, certain organizations or businesses and, well, I spoke to this person, you know, a week ago and they told me this and now I'm calling, and then they don't have any notes or they don't have any proof that I called. And so I was really impressed with the documentation and the tracking system. So I don't know if you want to share a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so our system is really comprehensive and it ties directly in with utility billing and, and border water and light at the city. And so what we have is, is just a really large database of folks who call in. In, and our system will keep track of every interaction with them. They called, our agents will know anytime that somebody, what they said, what happened, if a call needed to be escalated to a department, let's say if you know, the question maybe went over that line and we needed somebody else to, uh, to look into something, we can backtrack all of that information. When somebody calls, their information pops up on our screen. We can see how many times they've already called. We can see the dates that that happened, what happened on that phone call, resolutions that, you know, might have been or things that are still in process. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of like a another part of that partnership with the departments where like when we do escalate, like they access our system as well and are able to like put in notes and say oh, for updates. Yeah. Like here's what was done. Mm-hmm. or Here's where this is at. It's still pending or it's been taken care of or we left a message or we tried to leave a message and the mailbox was full. So if this person calls back, here's what we need to tell them, um, that kind of stuff. And also it's tied right to our phone system as well. So our CRM system that we have is Microsoft Dynamics type system. And we have the phone system is tied directly to it. So trying to minimize the the screen flipping for the agents, mm-hmm. they're working in already enough programs. And so we try to utilize something that is both comprehensive on the customer side, but also pretty user friendly on our side as well. So we're able to look stuff up. We're able to track stuff down. Sometimes when, you know, when folks call, it, it, it might be a matter of like, you know what, let me put you on hold or let me call you right back and, and I'll, look, I'll look into that. We very much pride ourselves on though. We will answer the phone. We will call you back. We, we are not going to blow you off and, you know, not answer your question anytime that there's a question in there that comes into our office. If it's not handled on that phone call, we will be following up with you. That That's, that's a guarantee. Yeah. Okay, so let's say I called and I had an issue and then I needed some follow-up. Do you give a reference number, what I call with my name and address? I mean, how do you 
How, how does that part work? On the internal side, we wouldn't need any kind of a reference number because as soon as you call, your information is going to pop up. If you call from a different phone number. Oh, so it comes up by phone number. Comes up right, right by okay, phone Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Now, let's say you call from a work phone or a different phone. Then right. we could look you up then. Okay. Can, and it's because it's completely searchable by name, number. It's kind of like a drill down system. So once we, we have the information about you, then we can look into your case, see what happened with that case, see where it's at, maybe do a follow up with the department and say, such and such called and, and, you know, Lucy called about this issue and we're just wondering where it's at. And then we would then follow back up with you and say, okay, we spoke to, you know, XYZ person at the department. Here's where your, your concern or your question is. We would kind of be able to bridge that gap and not necessarily require the department to do it. Some departments do. They'll say, they'll be like, well, we'll call them back. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, 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 uh, we'll follow up with them. If not, then, then we, uh, we definitely follow up with callers once, uh, once we have more information if they need it. That's awesome. Okay. So does 311, is that interlinked with Lansing Connect? Do they work together or so are they separate? They are they are two separate systems. Okay. However, everything that you can do on Lansing Connect, we can offer help with on 311 as well. Um we've gone as far as to put in Lansing Connect cases for people if they okay. like if somebody's like you know, I don't know how to use a computer. Or I don't have a computer at home, but I have this problem still. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to submit it on Lansing Connect. We'll pull up Lansing Connect for a person and put that information in for them. With the departments that we do partner with, we're mm-hmm. also able to take a look at work requests that have gone in. For example, well, we had one a little while back where a part of the Riverwalk had a piece of metal that had been bent up, I think by a snowplow maybe or something, mm-hmm. and um, it needed to be repaired. And we were able to, you know, get it submitted. We also noticed someone had submitted it on Lansing Connect already. And so we were able to kind of like, when that person called back, we're like, oh yeah, you know, we can see that it's been submitted already. We contact the department, let them know like, hey, this could be kind of dangerous. So they'll get somebody out there and, you know, we're able to follow up with the person. So we can interact a little bit on the backside to see what has been submitted with the Mm -hmm. departments that we partner with. But on the front side, even if uh, we haven't yet partnered with them, we can definitely like submit something for a person if they wanted us to. The only difference is that when a resident submits something on the Lansing Connect app, they can actually upload like videos and pictures of what they're talking about mm-hmm. because we're, you know, in the phone in the phone center, we right. don't really have the, the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, we can, you know, put in the, the verbiage that somebody might want us to. And I think sometimes that helps people. They'll just be like, it's done. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I called about it. It was submitted. It's done. And now I can go on about my day. <laughs> like I don't right. have to, you know, keep wondering if that's going to get taken care of. We definitely will work in the Lansing Connect system. And, mm-hmm. but if somebody's, you know, not comfortable with that or doesn't want to use it or they don't have the opportunity, the person that called us for the Riverwalk uh, issue was riding a bike and was like, I'm just riding my bike. You know, I just wanted to let somebody know. And so we we're able to, you know, get that put in and, and get it taken care of without them having to really fuss about it any further. So. so it's just giving residents two options. They can use the app or they can call 311. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, okay, that's awesome. You guys are the one call to City Hall. You have six agents, Spanish-speaking yep. interpreters if needed. You track all the documentation for follow-up. Absolutely. What are your hours? So we're 8 to 5, Monday mm-hmm. through Friday. Mm-hmm. We do adjust occasionally for um, big events, like for the election. We adjusted our hours so that we could support the clerk's office. We partner with the clerk's office. So like when folks, especially this past election, we had the redistricting that happened. Mm-hmm. So lots of people had new polling locations. And so we um, partnered with them to get access so that we could look up that information for callers. That's awesome. Um, and it worked out really well. Yeah. The reason why it, that that particular worked out really well, and the reason why is because 
what traditionally would happen is like the clerk's office would not only be working with their polling locations to make sure they had what they need, but then they'd also be getting all those phone calls of people who are like, where's my new polling location? Like, where do I, I'm at the place I always go to. And there's a letter up that says it's no longer here. Where do I go? It's important that they get in and they have a limited time, especially if like they had to work that day or, you know, something of that nature. So it was a really good, I think, opportunity to show the benefits of having like six other people just answering those questions for you. And then the folks in the clerk's office could really focus on making sure the polling places had right. what they needed, that they weren't you know overwhelmed with like, oh, we got to get somebody out there. We got to you know handle this. And we have, you know, a thousand people calling us to figure out where their new polling location might be. And so th- that was that was a really a really cool benefit of extending our hours to help um, a department. How did they get the word out for folks who had questions about their new polling location to call 311? There hasn't been a lot of word specifically about who we're partnered with just yet. Okay. Um, the way that 311 really works is we're not looking to like take over any one department. What we kind of do is we just sort of start to siphon off their phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we really like to do a soft launch with every department when we partner with them okay. um, to make sure that like we're understanding what's coming in. We have our hands around it. And then we open up a little bit more of the floodgates as we go. So that way we know that we can handle the volume. And also we our knowledge-based articles that we utilize are on the money for what we need to be communicating with folks. Mm-hmm. There has been advertisements about 311 being out there, mm-hmm. but a lot of times people are still calling the numbers to the departments and we've just adopted those numbers as sort of the first echelon of service. Um, so when people call, they will say, oh, I called the clerk's office. I don't know why I'm talking to 311. And it's like, oh yeah, we, we'll take their initial calls oh, and, okay. and we let them know that. So you do the intake part and then, yep, yep. And then transfer them of, if needed. Yeah, we okay. assess and it, that's something that either we can handle or we say, oh yeah, l- let us get you over there or let us create a case so someone can get back with you based on what your, um, your, your initial question is. And that's really where our agents the continual training and understanding what we handle versus what we don't handle. Oh, I bet. Really is a, it's, sure. it's a really big part. Um, and we're learning every day. So, t- so tell me a little bit though about your call volume. We will pass this week, 25,000 phone calls for the city. I take that back. We will pass 30,000 phone calls for the city since we launched last May. Wow. And that's right on the money with what we had predicted about 36,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's pretty close to on the money with what will be. We do about a thousand calls a week. And that that does fluctuate depending on the the season. Uh, Certain times it's nonstop. And other times like right before like the, the, the Christmas holiday, we get a lot of like a bit of a lull in business. But other times when there's something big going on. Um, we definitely will see the call volume. We'll see, you know, even the messages because people can, if they call on off hours, they can still leave a message and we'll get back with them as soon as we open back up. I was just going to ask that. Yep. So that's good. So people can leave a message They there. can. Yep. Yes, yeah. And as soon awesome. as the agents come in in the morning, they field all those before uh, or as they, like if, if they, they come in, they turn on their phone system. Once they turn on their phone system, if no calls are in the queue for people to need to be answered, they will automatically get the voicemails and go through those, call people back and report things that may have been needed to be reported. Sometimes our voicemails don't necessarily need a call back. Somebody's just like, I just want to report a pothole at this address then you know they can just put it in and don't have to worry about giving a call back but if somebody requests it then they'll look into it and call them back with uh with whatever information that they might need so but um but the ebbs and flow um we we are still figuring that out a little bit just Mm -hmm. because it changes with each department season Mm -hmm. and it also changes with as we bring on new departments so like obviously tax and treasury is 
the big time are when people are doing the income taxes and then mm-hmm. property taxes. But that changes with the assessing department. Their big time is like right before the March board of review. And they get this big push of, of phone calls for folks looking for pretty much the same answer to questions on what they need to do. Just kind of understanding how that works. And each year, like preparing for those calls is is uh, is kind of how we keep track of like, here's, here's our busy time. Here's kind of our lull, you know, in, in time. So um, right now that we haven't been overwhelmed, I mean, we're, we're at a place where wait times usually have been under three minutes um and we do really good yeah and we do have a callback system as well so if you're if you're in the queue wait in line yeah that's awesome i love that it's really i I think it's a good benefit because like if you're in the queue for a great feature yeah i think you just Mm -hmm. push a button and we'll call it and it's not like a oh man i'm waiting for somebody to call me back the system automatically calls you back when an agent is available so it's not it's not like a hold up and wait kind of thing uh, as soon as somebody's available it automatically makes that phone call for them you'll get a response back fairly quickly but but our agents are i mean they're they're available they're they're there all day long so. i have to say i've met them they are amazing i've heard wonderful things in the community about 311 and uh to piggyback what you said earlier taking the time and and listening to people and and letting them know that you're important and your issue is important and I'm going to help you resolve it and, or get you the resources you need. So thank you to your team for that. That's just phenomenal. Yeah. I'll let them know. I'll let them know. No, that is really phenomenal. I hear that a lot in the community. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm very much a proponent of that. Like I'm really like, we're not in a race. Like this is not, you know, trying to figure out what's the quickest way to do this. No, Cause we've all had that bad service or people have like rushed us off the phone and we felt like nothing's going to happen. Absolutely. And- Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's, that's really important to me in this regard, especially cause it's a, it's a new initiative with mm-hmm. the city. And I mean, I really do feel a sense of responsibility to the departments that we partner with. Like, very few people that call us are calling 311. I mean, the majority right. of people that call us are calling a specific department. And I feel like our level of customer service needs to be a reflection on that department and it needs to reflect well. Another cool thing, a feature about 311 is like, because we cross, you know, department lines, someone could call and have questions about that would fall under two or three different departments. Mm-hmm. And we can answer those questions in one phone call instead of, oh, you need to talk to this person for your zoning question and talk to this person for your trash question. Right. You know, it's like all in one area. And so very really, time consuming. Yeah. And yeah, a lot and, of people don't have time during the day while they're working to make all these phone calls. Exactly. Yeah. And and then like, you know, you you call on your lunch and of course it's somebody else's lunch and maybe right. they're not answering the, you know. And then I can't call for two more lunches. Exactly. Down this, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then you get home and that same thing that you have been, you know, trying to figure out is still there nagging at you and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's, it's, it's a great opportunity to make sure that folks are getting what they need. And I'm, I am very big on the, on the time thing, you know, take the time, listen to folks. I mean, Mm -hmm. we, you know, we want people to feel as though like, you know, whatever issue they had or whatever concern that they had is being addressed. And not only that, but like call us back, like feel free to call us back. If you have another issue, if you have another thing, because we'll be that, that finger on the shoulder tapping, like, Hey, this person needs this thing, you know, we want to help them get it done. And so So you're um, advocating. Absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. You're their advocates. That's awesome. And I know that this has been successful in Grand Rapids. Yep. I read an article. I know it's huge in New York. Huge. Huge. They do like 100,000 calls a day. 100,000 calls. It's, yeah. That's it's wow. I mean, th- th- I can't imagine their their, <laughs> like their caliber <laughs> and what all comes in there. We really modeled after and partnered with the Grand Rapids Initiative. And they're a little over 10 years in now that they've been doing it. You know, it's a startup for us. So getting mm-hmm. all the departments on board and, and understanding what we do for them versus like what needs to be escalated. We're, we work through that right now. 
Grand Rapids is like a well-oiled machine at this point. Like they've already yeah. been through those things mm -hmm. and they've got a good sense of like, here's what we do. Here's, you know, what we don't do. I meet pretty regularly with the, the manager in the Grand Rapids. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And not right now. It's really just more or less to sort of like bounce stuff back and forth off of each other. No, what um, a great resource. Yeah and, yeah. and it's been really good working with her and just kind of understanding like how they got to where they are and then trying to like piggyback off of any ideas that they might have or things that they might be doing. It works out really well to just have sort of that roadmap kind of done. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, like, you know, our city does work a little bit different than their city does. And so there are some things that don't totally line up, which is OK. Right. Um, it's you know, it's good to have our way that we do things. But but just to be able to look back and see, oh, this is what they do. And that, that's sort of a good platform to start from. And then we build our own to our scale to what, what we feel like we need has been really a cool benefit and a good thing. They also have helped Kalamazoo do theirs and a couple of other areas around the state. Their so it's office, growing. 311 yeah, is growing. Definitely. And there mm -hmm. is a nationwide network of 311s. Not a huge one, mm -hmm. but um, but it is the idea, the concept of like, I don't know who to call mm -hmm. and I shouldn't have to. Right. <laughs> like I should just make one phone call and somebody can help me with what I need. One call um, to City Hall? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and, and it really does make sense. And it's a really cool benefit for residents. And mm -hmm. I think it really does make sense from the perspective of like time saving on, on both sides. Mm -hmm. You know, the residents are saving time with not having to like wait or figure out or, you know, fuss with directories and who does what and titles and all that jazz. And then on the, the city side, you know, on the department side, it's very much like, oh, like if we don't have to take all these incoming calls anymore, we can we can work on that new initiative right. or we can we can use some resources to, you know, do some other things. And so I think that it's, it's a win-win for everyone. It's a win-win. Yeah, mm -hmm. it really is. And at the end of the day, I, I really enjoy like our success stories and, you know, the things where we've been able to like really help somebody in a, you know, not just a situation that isn't a big deal, but people who are really having a hard time at it, you know. Oh, you helped me with a person that was having issues with their pipes yes. in their yard. Yeah. And it was so wonderful. I could call you. You knew what to do. You you contacted the person. You let them know. You gave them the resources. The person had no idea where to go or what to do. So no I can't idea. thank you enough. And they were so grateful. It, it's it's a huge benefit to the city. Yeah. It I, truly I was, is. Yeah. And those, I mean, I really, I mean, and as I recall, like that person didn't even know, like if they should call the city. They had no like, idea. Yeah. And yeah. And it's like you and your team are phenomenal. It was. So thank yeah. you so well, much. Yeah. No, thank you for that. I appreciate it. But yeah, that, that really for me was, it's a really big thing is like this person's been living with this situation for this, you know, this amount of time. And, mm -hmm. and we were able to, and it was a bad situation. It was a bad so situation. It was really bad, yeah, so. yeah. And it's like in a matter of hours, we're able to like raise the, the red flag. And I call it like I circle my wagons when I start sending emails out, but um, I really enjoy and I really do like and appreciate the partnerships that I have with the folks in the departments. Mm -hmm. When I ask, you know, hey, I'm, I'm trying to get some attention on this. They have been very receptive to that. And they're like, th they want to help too. Absolutely. You know, in a lot of instances, I mean, they're they're working. Right. I always liken it to like, I'll be, I'll be the finger on the shoulder tapping just to, you know, double check. But when I do sort of a, hey, everybody, I'm, I'm really trying to figure out what to do here. I've gotten really good responses from folks to say, hey, here's what we can do and here's what we can do. And, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like pooling these resources to make sure that, that a person gets what they need. Not only does it help from the sense of like we're getting something done, but it shows like, oh, wow, like I'm a part of the city, you know, as a resident, right. like, you know, they, they, do, they will look out for me if they know what's happening, if they have somebody advocating exactly. for them, you know, and. I mean, We're I, all a team. It's the Lansing family. That's you know? it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I know it, you know, there has been like levels of frustration with people like, I don't know who to call or I don't know, mm -hmm. you know, if somebody will get back to me or whatever. And so I really take personal, you know, pride in, in bridging that gap when As I can. As you should. Yeah, definitely. As you should. Definitely. Well, I want to thank you so much yeah. for being here today. Thank you for all that you do. 
uh, for those listeners out there, 311, if you want to tell us the hours again. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, anywhere within the city limits from any phone, cell phone, landline, doesn't matter. You dial 311. Um, as long as it's not a 911 call or a 211 for um, family services, if you have something to report or you need help or you just have a general question and you don't know where to go, pick up any phone, dial 311 and one of our agents will be available to help you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to The Land Scene. Music for The Land Scene provided by Joystack. For more information, go to joystack.org. To listen to this episode and others on demand, visit lccconnect.org. If you have a story to share or would like to be a guest on the show, let me know. I'm Lucy, and thanks once again, Capital City. It means so much to me to have the support of our community. Remember, when unified, our city and its people can rise together. This is WLNZ Lansing. You're listening to LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. To find out more about LCC Connect programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.